the vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Welcome, everybody, to The Christine Uptrich Show. So grateful to have you here today. You might be listening on KKNW AM 1150 in the Seattle area live or on Transformation Talk Radio. You might be listening after the fact on christineuptrich.com or one of the dozens of podcasts this ends up on. But wherever and whenever, we're grateful you've joined us here today. And I believe you're going to be grateful too, because we're going to be talking about something that affects everybody. You can't get through life without experiencing this. But before I get into that, I want to say hello and express my gratitude to the people behind technology, Olivia at TTR and Benny at KKNW. Hi, guys. Hello. Good. <laughs> Zoom wouldn't let me in. So, you know, I know it's a late start, but, um, you know, this is this is what happens with a live show and and technology. So um, but I'm grateful to have to be here and to have you guys doing your magic behind the scenes. Oh, you're quite welcome. High five, Olivia. Right there. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm grateful for our guest who's here today because we're going to be talking about how to transform grief and fear into love and grace. And this expert here today isn't just an expert um, professionally. She's an expert based on the school of hard knocks. Um, She's experienced a fair amount of grief in her life. And she's a a psychotherapist, um, a best-selling author. She's an international speaker. And um, she likes to bring insight into trauma, shame, and grief. Um, she's, she likes to identify dysfunctional family patterns and she's had over 35 years of experience. She's counseled a myriad of individuals, couples, families, and groups and mental health agencies. Um, she has her PhD in psychology from Union Institute and University. She's the author of several books and I'm so grateful she sent me all three of her books. (laughs) Okay. So we've got shame transformed therapy. We have living in the shadow of the too good mother. Could have used that when uh, my kids were younger. And her her latest book, which is absolutely beautiful, Letters to Freedom, uh, memoir of grief and relationship. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Patty Ashley. Hi, Patty. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm so grateful to have you here today, um, and I appreciate you sort of rolling with the the little chaotic beginning here technologically um and when i when i was reading letters to freedom it touched me deeply because there's so many things in in life that we think we can control but the loss of people and animals who are near and dear to our hearts um we can't control and that touches on touches us on such a deep level and your experience wasn't an easy one. Um, let's start by talking a little bit about 
your experience with your father as a child? Yeah, so when I was 11, my father died of a sudden heart attack, and I was raised in a Catholic family, and, and the story was, he's in heaven, he's with God, you know, we'll get over this and move on, and go back to school a week later, and I'm thinking something really bad happened, and where is God, and why can't I go there? So I became a, a seeker of finding God and also figuring out what the heck was this experience I had of loss that nobody wanted to talk about. So that's how it all started. And I became a therapist because of that. Um, and then a lot of other winding paths in my life to get me to where I am today. But that's how it all got started. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we talk a lot about grief, but what is grief? Well, um, you know, one of my teachers said all depression is unresolved grief, and some of my colleagues would argue with that. However, you know, if I think about someone who's sad, or I talk to someone who's sad, I think about where is a loss? Where have you had to let go of something? And we humans, we like to be in control of things. We think yeah. we, we have this idea that we can control our lives. And we're seeing right now what's happening with the pandemic that we and the natural disaster, you know, anyway, the, the amount of control that we have over our lives is very small. And one of the things we can't control is the fact that we're all going to die. Um, and so grief, we've learned about grief from Kubler-Ross's, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross did some studies on people who were terminally ill and, you know, what was really happening, what experiences were they having? And, you know, her five stages of grief are denial, bargaining, anger, depression, acceptance. They're not linear. You move in and out of them for a period of time. And you can see it even when you lose, like we're in so much collective grief right now, our lives, we've lost the lives that we're familiar with in this right. pandemic. We've lost- Can you mention those five stages again, mm -hmm. a little bit yeah. more slowly? Yeah, so denial usually is what happens first because it's kind of like when you're in a car accident or something and you're 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 physically injured and you can't feel anything, you kind of go numb and it's the same thing with our emotional self is we don't feel anything for a while and um, then we start to bargain and we start to wonder could I have done something different? Maybe if or regrets, I should have said something or you know, so we go in and out of that and then um anger you know and a lot of people don't want to be angry at people who die because uh -huh. they think well they died you know but there's the anger around anger helps create distance anger energizes us anger is important and it's okay to be angry so okay to be angry at god it's okay to be angry at the person for dying because it's an energy that helps us release what we're holding in our body and then there's depression and so i think a lot of people get stuck there um you know, when they're in grief, you'll see hoarders, you know, if you see people holding on to things, usually there's some unresolved grief in that. And then hopefully we get to acceptance. And again, those stages aren't linear. So we move in and out of them. And the period of time is very different for different people. Um, but the thing about grief is you have to go through it, you can't go around it. And we try, we don't live in a culture that really supports discomfort. And we're learning to have to understand discomfort because there's a lot of it going on right now. However, we don't really have, we want to make things better. We want the pill. We want the quick fix. We want to do something. We want to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And sometimes we just have to go through the feelings and that 
is the hard part for people. And, and sometimes from my personal experience, um, it's not logical. Like for instance, mm -hmm. when my parents passed away, they passed away 16 days from each other. So it was like a one, two punch Aww. and that was hard. And yet they were in a stage in life where it felt like it was time for them to go. Their, their bodies were aging. Um, I felt like our relationships were complete. And when they exited, of course, you know, I, I, I've grieved the loss. And I, you know, one of the interesting things I found is it's not just the adult, uh, you know, who's grieving the loss and the, the mom of the kids, you know, grieving the loss of the grandparents for the kids. But, you know, it's, it's like every stage and age, the little girl who lost the daddy who she used to hold, you know, his, mm -hmm. his finger, the little finger as we walked through the store, that kind of thing. But for me, what surprised me is a few year, couple years later when um, my beloved cat died of cancer, which felt like way too soon, in some ways my grief was more overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like, it, it's, it can be kind of, kind of confusing as, as to when it comes and how deep it is or it isn't. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a strange, thing to navigate because of that. Well, the body memory doesn't have time. We've learned that from studies of PTSD. So what happens when we've had experiences in our life of grief and we have another grief, and I think that's happening with a lot of people now who are grieving the loss of the life that they know and, and sad, the, the, the horrid sadness of people who are grieving the loss of people you know who've died of COVID. Um, it, it takes us back into this well of old grief. It, it's interesting how that happens. I was just telling a friend of mine this morning about when I put my cat down shortly after my fiance died. So in my life from my dad, I ended up losing my fiance four years ago, the same way my father died. They both had a sudden heart attack on the living room floor. And so I knew that's why I wrote my book, Letters to Freedom. His last name was Freedom, Lawrence Freedom. And I felt like this is a story I wrote for myself at first and then I wrote and I published it hoping it would help people. But I had lost Lawrence Freedom in November and then we put his dog down, Jasper, in May. And then my dear, dear, dear best friend neighbor died in March of that year. And then I put my cat down in oh. December. And I was at the vet. I was telling my friend this morning, this morning I said I was like wailing like out of control crying when I was watching my cat, watch him put my cat to sleep. And the vet looks at me like, you know, there's programs for grief in Boulder you might want to check out. And I said, you know, I, I'm a therapist, I got this. Because, you know what, again, people don't understand. I was doing what my body needed to do to release, I love tears, I'm a big fan of tears. And a lot of people are raised in families where they're told not to cry, stop crying before I give you something to cry about. I can't tell you how many clients are even afraid to cry in front of me as their therapist. Wow. You know, and it's so healing, it's it's detoxing for the body, tears, they release, that's one way we get through grief is to allow the tears to flow. So I didn't hold back. <laughs> And I think about the energetics of it. It's like, yeah. to me, grief is like a, a, a clog in the energetic pipes. Yeah. And the physical release allows the energy to flow through. Yeah. It allows the light to, to reach where it needs to reach. Exactly, exactly. And again, we don't really learn this in our culture. We are taught to, come on, let's get over it, come on. 
you know, like even the vet was saying, you know, okay, there's programs that can help you with this. And I'm like, I got this. I, I know what I'm doing. So yeah. And, and again, that was four, four major losses in one year. And then of course, all the other old losses in my life, there are others in addition to my dad as you know, uh-huh. we all go through, but it's also our greatest teacher. And that's the good news on the other side, which is why, you know, I'm putting this course together called transforming grief and fear into love and grace. Cause we're all in a lot of fear right now with what's going on. There's so much uncertainty. And I think that's why we're afraid of death is because we don't know when we're going to die. We don't know how we're going to die. And those of us who don't have a spiritual belief system don't know what's going to happen. Or if we were raised in a belief system where we could go to hell, <laughs> you know, that's pretty scary. So, Because oh, yeah. we all deserve to then, right? Within the... <laughs> I know. So there's a lot of fear. Fear and grief are really similar in the nervous system. And so when the pandemic happened, you know, I was processing that with a friend and we were going, we were really comparing, wow, they are so similar. And so I think when we're in grief, we go into a similar fight, flight or fight response. And unless we have people who can guide us through the process of, of connecting with the sensory experience bringing more compassion to the grief experience my big dream i have a big dream but not a lot of money in the bank is to create a three-month retreat center of course i couldn't go there now on covid but a place where people can go for three months and not worry about anything other than feeling their feelings and crying and drawing and walking in nature and meeting with supportive people and and people who can witness their grief because that really helps move the process but instead what happens we get what a week of bereavement maybe if we're lucky and we have to go back to work and we we can't get our frontal lobes online you know when we're in that kind of fear and grief there's so much uncertainty when i lost that beloved cat of mine um i thought i shouldn't be driving right now it's like i wasn't thinking clearly Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it's kind of surprising because for somebody who's, you know, got it all together, something like that triggers this, this huge imbalance, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's, it, it's kind of like, I felt like, um, before I was on the water, you know, in a motorboat with a GPS and, and all of a sudden I was on this raft and being tossed about, didn't know even who I was, um, which is one of the surprising things about grief because it, I think it forces us to kind of reevaluate mm-hmm. who we are now that we're no longer in relationship to someone or something. In the case of, of COVID, you know, that the situation really um, revolving around that, it's like life isn't the same way and therefore we have to kind of redefine ourselves. Mm-hmm. Who are we? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why we're, so afraid of our feelings because it's they're so undefined you know we we like our linear logical thought we like to put things in a box and have our bullet points and our one two threes and grief and and our emotional self doesn't care about any of that our emotional self is having a feeling and unless we have supportive people who can witness those feelings what do we try and do we try and talk ourselves out of them. That's when we get into addiction, you know, um, distractions, overworking, um, you know, a lot of um, emotional pain, but we try so hard not to feel it because we just don't have a lot of guides to help us do that. 
um, and it's uncertain. And, um, you know, you, you talked about fear and grief being similar. Um, one of the things that I discovered, I, I had a situation where I was very afraid that my son had COVID. And as it turns out, it was a bad thermometer, right? And he was just really sleepy after having traveled to go see a friend. And it, it kind of broke my fever of fear. And once I let go of the fear, you know, I've got like a little bit of respect for the virus, but I, I've let go of so much of the fear. It, it feels so different in my body and I'm experiencing aspects of grief differently. So maybe you could talk a little bit about this, um, the way fear and, and grief go hand in hand and how to uncouple those. Well, I'm not sure we need to uncouple them. I need. I think we need to give them the awareness that they need because what happens is when we go into a fear response, we're in our we're being chased by the saber toothed tiger. Basically, sure. it's the old fear response, and so our immune system shuts down. And this is why you know it's so important with this COVID thing to really pay attention to our fears. And just what you described is beautiful. It's like oh, the fever, my fear fever you know um yeah yeah, we have to let go of fear we have to be in the present moment and find safety in the present moment because otherwise you know our immune system's not going to be working because our you know when we're in a um a fight flight or freeze response we need our legs and our arms and a lot of the other parts of our body shut down that's why we always say breathe take a deep breath you know get back into your body i've been suggesting to people fantastic five so find five things right now that are comfortable right now in your space if it's the chair you're sitting in it's your cat it's the food cooking on the stove it's maybe the birds singing so you come back into present moment and i think that's the same with both grief and fear is you know right now in this moment nothing bad is happening and the body needs to know that again because the body has no time so that's important that's a good way to start i really Uh, like that a lot um and that's a technique that um my first therapist back when i was in my 20s taught me about flying because i was afraid to fly ultimately ended up flying all over the world to teach but you know it's she said pay attention to the current moment if everything's okay you know, take a deep breath and recognize, have the awareness that everything's okay. And then you, you can basically say, okay, the next moment I reserve the right to be afraid again, you know? So yeah. that, that, that momentary awareness that everything's okay is huge. Mm-hmm. It is. And people, it, it's so hard to understand because again, this whole feeling thing is so difficult because it, it, it isn't logical and linear because you think, well, well, I, I'm scared because this could happen and all the what ifs. We really want to get out of the what ifs, you know, right. because that just fuels that that tra- that trauma fear response. And there's all kinds of what ifs, right? We can make, especially right now, we could make up all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and the body then goes into that fear response and we're not fully functioning and it really affects our immune system. So we want to get our immune system working right now because this virus is is here. So we want to come back into present moment safety. What's happening right now? And again, it's not logical. People are like, but all oh, this other stuff came. Okay. You know. But st- and still, look, nothing bad is happening right now in this moment. Everything's good. 
And I find it interesting that the the what ifs that we tend to to you know put before our our conscious minds are the what ifs that are negative. Like you know, what if COVID yeah. is really here to help upgrade yeah. our physical bodies because we're you know our genomes viruses are responsible for something like half of our genomes, right? So viruses serve a purpose. What if a lot of the fear stuff that we're hearing about really isn't true? You know, what what if this is serving my purpose by giving me more time, mm -hmm. you know, away from my normal routine like that? Mm -hmm. But we don't, we tend not to go there, do we? Yeah. And I suggest that to people. If you're going to do a what if, you're going to create up all the, you're gonna, if you're going to create all the things that could go wrong, you can spend your energy creating ideas of things that could go right and could go well because we don't know what's going to happen. So and again, what we know now about the body, I love Bruce Lipton and his work and yeah. the biology of belief. And I just heard him speak again the other night, even though I've heard him a bazillion times. It's just good yeah. to hear it again. But and, by and the time and his one of his shows is, is on our best of um on uh, the best of page. Yeah, he's fabulous. Fabulous. And he was the one who discovered epigenetics and people thought he was nuts back in the 60s. Like you can't change genes. You know, you're born with a gene of addiction, too bad, so sad. And he's like, right. no, I don't think so. Let's, I wanna challenge that. And they actually prove that we can change our genetics through environment, through our perceptions. And so we have, that's what we have to do is we have to change our perceptions. And that's what my work as an authenticity architect is about, is helping people change their perceptions. And I call it writing a new story. Yeah. So yeah. the new story would be in the what if uh -huh. something good might happen. What if I learn more about myself in this time? What if I create different connections with people in a different way? What if maybe we learn a little bit about the environment and what we need to do? You know, there's all kinds of positive what ifs we could make up. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And um, we have to go to a quick break, um, but this is fascinating. And I want to hear more about your story with Lawrence. Mm -hmm. um, it's a beautiful story. And um, it also has you looking at grief in other ways besides the, the big losses. Uh, stay tuned for more with Patty Ashley here in just a few moments. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. What does the word healing mean? Many think that healing merely means eliminating symptoms. However, based on my many years as a healer, I have a much broader perspective on the word. Healing can manifest in a variety of ways, including having physical problems resolved, becoming more emotionally centered, experiencing better relationships, gaining greater clarity, and feeling more spiritually connected. True healing always includes some level of transformation. Whatever form healing takes, there is one commonality, an improvement in quality of life. To me, the highest form of healing goes beyond aligning with wellness. It comes from recognizing our soul's voice and allowing it to speak through us. And in that sense, don't we all yearn to heal into our wholeness? Please visit StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. How to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles shares stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com.
Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Are you meeting your sales goals? Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www.DivinelyDrivenResults.com. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW AM 1150 in the Seattle area and Transformation Talk Radio around the world. And by the way, folks, if you get onto Facebook, you can find us on Facebook Live on Transformation Talk Radio, as well as the Christine Upchurch professional page. Uh, you can also watch that video after the fact and then go to ChristineUpchurch.com sometime next week when I'm back in the, the land of technology uh, to see it and all the other archives on the exist on the website you know patty um at this point i can't see you all i can see is benny's kknw uh olivia is there something you can do so that i can see patty's face again if not uh, or once patty starts talking she might pop back okay. in too yeah okay so patty it's really great to have you here and uh please say something so i can see if we've got the technology in alignment <laughs> all i can say is technology <laughs> good at work Hooray. <laughs> hopefully your face will stay there yes okay so you know you you lost your father suddenly and um then you grew up and you became a therapist and you 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 had to face the letting go of various things, you know, you, as a, somebody who let go of a relationship that was rather codependent. Um, you, of course, as our children grew up, we, we let go and, and, and have to grieve the loss of, of aspects of those relationships too. But then you found what I would define to be perhaps your, you know, your, your, your forever love, right? Mm -hmm. That at least that's the way you perceived it and that's the way you presented it in your book. Uh, and things were going really well. And then what happened? Oh, 
gosh. Well, first of all, thank you. The empathy is really touching my heart that you read the book and you, and you and you read my story. Um because I have had a lot of loss in my life and loss really, you know, touches us so deeply and we get to choose what we want to do with it. And I guess my my life's lesson has been breaking my heart open to more and that's where we find the grace. Um so Lawrence Freedom was an amazing man and such a such a gift in my life. Um, he, I had gone through a divorce and some relationships and couldn't figure out why I couldn't get this relationship thing right. And I wondered if it had to do with when my father died because I remember listening to my mom cry out and I was outside her bedroom door. I can see myself as a little kid. I was probably about 12, I guess, at the time. And she was wailing so loud. And I remember in my mind thinking, I'm never going to love anybody that much because I never want to feel that much pain. Right, right. And so when I had that huge aha, I, I did a lot. Not that I hadn't already done a lot of that work, but it was like, you know what? I'm going to figure this out because I really want a really great relationship. I really want a partner who shows up. And so several years later, Lawrence had lost his wife and I had known him for a, a long time. And so we connected in a different way after having been colleagues for 20 years. And it was the sweetest relationship. I, I, it was such a gift. And then towards the end, you know, I was kind of wondering, you know, this is too good to be true. And he still talks a lot about his ex wife I mean, his deceased wife. And maybe he still has some grief that he hasn't done. And I don't want to be the object that fills up the space for him. And sure. so we started the last few months before he died, we decided to take a break. And um, luckily, I saw him the week before he died. And we had some really great conversations about how we were going to step back into our relationship and what he had learned from taking some time to do some of his grief. And then he died of a sudden heart attack. And, and, and when I was reading your story, what became very clear was when you took this break, you had to face the possibility that this love of your life, you, you may be losing him or the relationship might not be as whole and healthy as you thought it might be. And so it, it kind of, for me, was screaming out, like, look at the various aspects of grief that we have to face in our lives. We often think in terms of the big losses, mm -hmm. um, the breakups, the deaths, but there you were kind of illuminating how we grieve various, you know, more minute aspects of our lives. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, the importance of doing that? Yeah, every time we let go of something, we have we go through those stages of grief that we talked about earlier. So even if it's a move or and for Lawrence, he had lost his wife. He sold his business. He owned an addiction treatment center. He sold his house wow. and then him and I moved into relationships. So he had a lot of grief still. But, you know, when we were in the beginning in love phase, you know, everything was wonderful and it was, and it really was wonderful all the time. It was just that I really wanted to be sure and, and know that we, that we both, cause you have to be whole. And I learned that in my life, you know, to have people don't make a whole, they make a, a quarter, one fourth. And so yeah. 
we need to be whole in order to have a healthy relationship. And because I'd worked so hard and done my inner work, I wanted to be sure that we were both really, really, really whole. And, and you know, and maybe it wasn't, it is. I know now looking back, I, you know, that we're all imperfect and we're all learning and maybe we could have, could have learned something from staying together, but that's what happened. And um, so, yeah, giving ourselves permission to realize, you know, I always ask, what am I letting go of here? What am I losing? What, you know, what is, what is this feeling? If I'm feeling kind of sad or something, I'm like, Oh, where's the loss? And again, today we can see it all over the place. Yeah. So there, there you were like, you're taking this break and you guys were going to have your, you know, first post break date. Yeah. And I could feel your excitement about that, your hopes, Mm -hmm. You know, that your dreams were coming to fruition. And then what happened? Yeah, so I started writing him letters. That's why the book is called Letters to Freedom. And so that last week or so, I was writing him a letter to just express this deep love that I had for him because I couldn't actually be in person with him because he was... He was an addiction counselor, so he he was committed to take a three month break, and we weren't going to get back together until that sixty day, ninety days was over. Right. <laughs> so I knew I had to I had to honor that, and so I started writing him letters. And then the day that he died, I was really having a lot of panic and anxiety that we weren't going to be able to work this out. So I wrote that in the letter. And I said, I'm not an, I'm not sure what this is. It just I'm so scared, and I was putting the letter and then I had this box that I made um, to hold the letters and I was going to give him the letters when I saw him uh-huh. and I'm putting this last letter in a box and his friend called and said hey, you know um, I have to tell you I just found Lawrence on the living room floor so yeah so I th- I just throw the letter down and I just get in the car and I drive it was like a 45 minute drive to his house and um, yeah it was and so I think, again, intuitively, what I was feeling, I wondered, that's one of the reasons I started writing stories, because I thought, I know that panic and anxiety of him and I not getting back together wasn't real, because Lawrence would have done anything for me. All I had to do was look at him with my blue eyes and say, please. And oh. he was like a puppy dog, you know? I mean, he would, have, he would have done anything to make our relationship work. And so... Part of me wondered if that was my own intuitive knowing, because I believe I was having that feeling when he died, because they didn't find him till the next day, um, and the, he had missed an appointment. And the way they found him was he had missed an appointment with a client, and so the client got in touch with, you know, his friend, because um, it wasn't like Lawrence to not show up, and so they didn't find him till the next day. But I think. I'm wondering if intuitively that I knew that that was happening when I was having this sure. panic. So, yeah, I haven't told that story much. Um, so I, that's very vulnerable and real. <laughs> Thank you for doing yeah. that because it's, uh, because it makes the grief real, you yeah. know, it, it, and it allows other people permission. It gives people permission to share their vulnerable grief with others. But I think we're in society, we're so used to kind of stuffing it down or compartmentalizing into, you know, the privacy of our home or with only certain people and keeping it during a certain time frame. And, and yet it doesn't allow that energy to move until we 
have an opportunity to not only feel it, but to express it. There's something about grief and witnesses that mm-hmm. feels very important mm-hmm. um, to me, at least. Do you find that to, to be true too? Abs- absolutely. And so what happened after he died was <laughs> I said, okay, I've spent my whole life trying to figure this grief thing out. I'm going to do it right this time. <laughs> you know? it's like, I'm just going to feel the feelings. And so I ended up doing, that's why I started writing the stories. And I also was very much aware of the hypnosis, you know, the early years of the stories that I learned growing up about, you know, stop crying before I give you something to cry about. You should be ashamed of yourself. Get over it. Don't feel this. Don't feel that. Because that's what I learned growing up, as many people have in the old parenting patterns that are still kind of there in some places. Um, And so I found myself almost somewhat ashamed of the fact that I really needed people to listen to me tell the story. They say you have to tell the story at least a hundred times. And um, yeah. And so, and I was like, felt like it was a burden to ask my friends to listen to me cry because oftentimes what happens when like the vet, you know, when I'm wailing and she wants to fix it, you know, people want to fix it. And that's the worst thing to do, <laughs> even though it's there's good intentions. We want to fix it. I had somebody in my dance class, you know, suggest, you know, I don't know, St. John's word or, word or, you know, rescue re- remedy. And I said, you know what? I don't maybe later, but right now I'm where I'm supposed to be. So, yes, we need enlightened witnesses more than anything. And the reason I what I've discovered is the reason it's so hard is what we know now about the mirror neurons in the frontal lobe. When we're in direct relationship with another person, we're actually feeling what they feel. And so grief feels so bad. No one wants to feel it. So if I'm sharing my story with my friend who really cares about me, and they're feeling that they want to fix it. They they want to they want to make it better for me, but really, they want to make it better for them. But they, you know, I'm not saying that as a judgment. I'm saying it as a it's our reaction to try and make things better for people. Uh-huh. So that's such a gift to find enlightened witnesses that can be in that with us, cry with and, us, hold us, say, yeah. "Oh, honey, tell me some more stories." And for me, um, the, the work that I've done, it, there, there's this, this magical place that's, it's, you know, it's the sort of tagline of the show, the vibration of change, the vibration of change, the, the place where the, the magic occurs is connected energetically to the here and now. And that here and now includes the incredible overwhelming grief that we may be experiencing mm-hmm. and allowing it. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't, if we're sort of pushing our way ar- away from it, then we're, we're not allowed to move forward, uh, which I know as a therapist, you understand, but from an energetic perspective, the same thing is true. There's like quantum physics behind it. Um, so yeah, the, the, the witnesses in my life are the, either my therapist or my deepest friends, you know, because those people who have the courage to just allow and feel mm-hmm. and, and witness the the movement the the experience of it and the movement of it is just it's quite the gift and i think the most important thing you can do for someone who is in grief is ask them to share stories people think oh i don't want to bring it up because i don't want them to remember (laughs) like we're gonna forget you know it's, it's actually the opposite i wanted so much to talk about lawrence but people 
got uncomfortable. And so I would, you know, but what I really need, it meant, it helped me feel close to him. It helped me move the grief. So again, that enlightened witness that can say, oh, tell me that story. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, remember when, especially if we had things that happened together and that's the best gift we can give. And I think it's the farthest from what we tend to do because again, we want to make it better and we want to move on. Okay, so before we go any further, I want to make sure we fit in um, information about how people can connect with you. Okay. Um, my website is pattyashley.com and it's patty with an I, P-A-T-T-I-A-S-H-L-E-Y. And you can find just about everything on my website. I have links. I've created some courses um, in the pandemic. One's called Go In, Not Out, and it helps people kind of do some of this inner introspective work now that we're called to spend more time, you know, doing less things. Um, my daughter and I did a course called Moms in Real Life. She's a school psychologist, a mom, and a um, parent educator as well. So we, we team up sometimes and we do some things right. together. Okay. And then I'm working on this course, Transforming um, Grief and Fear into Love and Grace. And I'm taking, it's taken longer than I thought. And I think I'm going to launch it on the fourth anniversary of Lawrence's death, which is going to be um, November 13th this year. And so links are there for that. All the books are on my website. There's also links if you want to do authenticity architect coaching with me via um, Zoom or over the phone. I'm available for that. Um, okay. yeah. yeah, that's great. Okay, so let's get back to our, our current situation where many people are um, feeling grief many people probably aren't even aware that it's it's you know the word grief is, is what they should attach to some of their feelings um do you have any tips to help us navigate through these uncertain times mm -hmm. yeah to be really gentle with yourself have a lot of compassion um i suggest four sea shovels courage compassion connection and curiosity so um, when we move into those experiences we kind of pattern interrupt some of the the fear and the grief and and we get more connected to ourselves uh -huh. most importantly is to give ourselves permission to feel whatever we're feeling and again if we have an enlightened witness if we feel like crying if we want to journal and the and the, the good news is you know we've been talking a lot about the grief part the grace that comes from that is you know we talk about how you know um we want to be happy but we really can't be happy until we've been incredibly sad and that's just the way we do it here on the planet you know joy and sorrow kihil gabron's poem you know talks about they're just two sides of the same coin and the deeper our well of sorrow the deeper our joy and so people have to understand that they're going to get through this going to get to the other side we try so hard to get there kind of like the butterfly you can't open that that cocoon too soon or it'll die you got to be with what is and finding supportive people enlightened witnesses like we talked about uh giving yourself lots of grace and love and then when you get to the other side you are like a butterfly you're like wow i've i got something pretty magical out of this grief but you don't know you're going to get there when you're in it and so people are afraid to be in it because they think they're going to get stuck in it. And I, I'm here to, to witness that. No, if you allow yourself to be with the process, you're going to get to the other side and it's going to be more beautiful than you can even imagine. I, I think that there are people who are 
in the consciousness realm who think that they, they sort of do it conditionally, like, oh, I'm going to experience this so I can get to the other side. Yeah. Um, but really, you, you can't do that. Can't. Yeah. You got to be in it. And it takes it takes as long as it takes. It just takes as long as it takes. And, and, and you know, when I the butter, I love the butterfly analogy. And so when I was playing around with that years ago, I thought, well, how long does the caterpillar stay in the cocoon before it's the butterfly? And there are so many variations of that because it depends on the the what the caterpillar or the worm or the but you know there could uh-huh. be could be days could be weeks could be months you know and I was like well that's like grief right we don't uh-huh. know and that's back to our uncertainty that's back to our fear so right. it's like being in the unknown um, we don't know and yet if we trust the process and we love ourselves through it yeah that's when we get yeah. to the other side yeah. so um, with covid it feels like there 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 are two aspects of it there's there's the aspect of it when it's affecting us directly whether we're in a community that's been heavy you know hit heavily by it um or we've got a loved one or there you know probably people listening who've had covid and then there's just the stuff we hear in the news regardless of which news we listen to um is it different to navigate it if it's just in our fear imagination you know the, the the stories we're hearing or versus if it's happening you know to us personally on one level or another i well that's a good question and i don't think we can even quantify that because our imagination is just as powerful as our reality i mean like if you imagine if i tell you i'm cutting open a lemon and i'm squeezing it into my mouth you're going to salivate you're going to have the experience yeah. of the lemon right sure. and so that's why we all no matter what we're experiencing we have to come back to present moment safety first of all we have to be with our feelings and um and it's all different there's all different flavors of that i again i don't think we can quantify it i, I so sad you know to go through it and witnesses especially you know the people who died and they couldn't be with their loved ones i mean oh, that just it, breaks my heart and, and, it, and i think I, I personally think that at some point we're going to get to this perspective that it was a crime against humanity i mean it's mm-hmm. it, it it's just horrific and i think about yeah. the elderly in particular who mm-hmm couldn't have their their children or grandchildren with them it just breaks yeah. my heart yeah yeah because we're wired for connection and we need we need to know that the people we love are are there and it's it's yeah so i think there's all kinds of ways grief is showing up for us i mean job losses relationship yeah. changes and school and you know family and it, it so so we have to be really gentle with ourselves. I know I do this with my clients every day now. It's like, you know, how do you be really gentle with yourself? Um, right. There's no easy way to do this. Yeah, yeah. And we all will get through it, though. We will, right? It's there, there will be another side. So what are the benefits of grief? I think it's our greatest teacher. I, I truly believe it's our greatest teacher because it really pushes us to ask the big questions. Why am I here? What's my purpose? You know, um, you know, my friend and I were talking about that last night. It's like, you know, we're getting close to retirement and 
we can't travel now and do we do the things that we really wanted to do in our lives you know and i said it's like people who are terminally ill if you have two years to live or two months to live even you're going to ask those questions right like what do i want to do with this time we should be asking those questions every day that's the way we should we should live but we don't we live with the old fear of the old story of the way it should be and we don't give ourselves permission to really ask those questions what those big questions so grief can be a huge teacher can also again teach us about tolerating discomfort and learning how to manage and navigate um uncomfortable feelings which we don't like to do so so um it's been almost four years since lauren's passed Mm -hmm. and clearly just based on you telling the story again there are other layers of grief Mm -hmm. does grief change over time and if so does it give us different gifts as we experience it further and further away from the event absolutely i don't think we ever get over it i think what we do is anyway we find the grace in it i mean i've learned so much it was such a gift to go through this experience and i tell the story it's funny i'm going to be real i've been so vulnerable here i'm going to be even more vulnerable i've been on a dating site i've been trying to date again and the a couple men saw my book I and my website Bumble, and they said by the way if you ever done bumble that's a good one it worked <laughs> for me just putting it out there okay. that's a little bit too fast for me i, I don't on think this. so girl you could do it <laughs> anyway a couple men said to me oh my gosh you've been through so much trauma i don't want that in my life i don't want any drama in my life you talk about losing your father on your website and you wrote a book about it i don't want anything to do with you i mean one man actually said that blatantly and others have inferred it and i thought wow the truth is that's what's going to make me a, a really good girlfriend or wife or partner is because and because I'm willing to talk about it and tell the story. So, yeah, no, grief never goes away. There'll always be the story. But I'm so far away from that deep, intense experience. And because I allowed myself to be in it, I do like have like so much to offer in, a, in, a, in my next relationship because I learned so much from the experience. So. So this automatically knocked off the men who aren't conscious enough to understand that. So there you go. Well, and it was, the site was called Mindful Meetup. So you'd think that it would be people who, you know, anyway. So, yeah, I mean, we're always grieving and, you know, there's always more. Like you were saying, remembering the little girl, you know, when your parents died. I just have to say, too, your parents dying so close together, that always touches my heart because, you know, people are soulmates when they die that close together. Absolutely. Um, but it's hard for us to, for hard for you to lose both of them so close. Um, but we're always, there's always more grief. I mean, Hope Edelman wrote a book called After Grief, and I love her work because she talks about how she lost her mom when she was young and how grief shows up like when you get married or when you have a baby or when you, you oh. know, have these events in your life and your mom's not there. And it really made me, I interviewed Hope for my book launch, and it really made me start to go back and think about oh my dad wasn't at my wedding my dad didn't see my children but i was just so in my hypnotic trance of you do what you got you you know you live with what you got i didn't realize that you know it's important to honor those those grief points as well 
By the way, Benny, I'm not seeing any notifications here. How are we doing? Oh, we're doing pretty I'm good. Watching. Actually, we got three minutes left, so you're doing great. Three minutes. Okay, so yeah. my clock here is like I got you five coming. minutes back. I got you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So do you have um, a final message for our viewers and listeners? I would like, Chris, if you don't mind, I noticed my little nuff sticking out of uh, one of the books that you held up. I'm yes. enough. I would love, because I don't have one of mine handy, I would love to show that. <laughs> That's my message. You are enough. And I had a friend of a friend draw that because we're playing around with feeling good enough. I think a lot of grief is feeling not lovable and, and alone. And we and my work with shame is really coming back to being enough. And sometimes by being playful. And when I look at that enough and my clients all tell me they have it like right in front of them most of the time you exhale and you feel enough because we can't do this work in our head we uh -huh. have to feel and so that's my message is you are enough that's great that's great and um after reading your story and talking to you i now understand on a deeper level that grief leads us to grace mm -hmm. and sorrow helps to expand our joy. And I think in terms of uh, it, the effect that it could have us it could have on us, um, based on our COVID situation, and our political situation, and, you know, the, the, the turmoil of weather on our planet. Um, so I want to thank you for bringing the gifts that have come from your losses mm -hmm. to us. Thank you. And I want to thank you for opening up such vulnerable conversation. Um, and hopefully it was helpful for your well, listeners. I, I, I think it absolutely is. And um, again, I think that we often will teach by example. And so being vulnerable gives people permission to be vulnerable and to share their stories. And I love the fact that you're emphasizing, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Mm -hmm. So Thank you, Patty. And again, it's pattyashley.com. And you've got all sorts of goodies there and, and links to the book. Um, and if you want to check out that Bruce Lipton uh, interview, that's on christineupchurch.com, best of the show. <laughs> and um, you know, if you want to share this, this is going to be on Facebook Live. You can share the video from there, from Christine Upchurch professional page. And please like us if you've enjoyed this interview. Thank you, Patty, so much. Oh, thank you so much. It was delightful. I appreciate you. And thank you for joining us here today. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com, where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.